right, everyone. This is David Baker again with the uh, Baker's Dozen CISO podcast. Uh, again, I'm David Baker, Chief Security Officer and VP of Operations here at Bug Crowd. Uh, excited today to have Ross McCarcher here. Um, he is the CISO of Sophos. But before I go any further, Ross, introduce yourself and tell us something unusual about you. <laughs> Thanks, David. So yeah, I'm the, I'm the CISO at Sophos. I guess one thing that's unusual about me is I've been at Sophos for 12 years now. So given there's a lot of, uh, I, every day I read an article about the, the short tenure of CISOs, um, I guess I'm a bit of an antidote to that. I haven't been CISO all the time during that, during my time at Sophos, but I have kind of built the security team up. So I've always been the lead of the security team, even when it was just me as a part-time security guy. That is unusual. Uh, longevity as a CISO is, is, is pretty unusual. Um, but congratulations nonetheless. And I think longevity tells a lot about um, the value that the company puts into it. And uh, certainly your ability to um, be persistent and make things uh, happen. So that's good. So Ross, um, as usual, this, this really this podcast is to bring sort of the best and brightest CISOs out um, and tell us how you do it. Um, I don't really want to talk about bug bounty programs. I don't need to talk about bug crowd. Um, but I think it's important uh, really to hear how you do it. It's You've been around for a long time, particularly at Sofa. So um, I wanted to get your perspective on things that I see CISOs are always asking about. And first thing is going to be about hiring and how do you sort of scale your organization and sure bug crowd is here and bug crowd um, does some crowdsourcing and helps out but you are um, hiring and you're building out a security team how do you how do you do it how do you address things within your organizations and maybe how do you address things outside of your organization for security yeah sure um so, so, I guess unsurprisingly, one of my mantras for hiring is, uh, is again, the longevity. I, I do look to have people who I'm convinced are going to be with, um, with us for a while. I, um, I think that, that matters a lot in the, secure, in, in, in the security world because you have to understand an organization so well to know, you know where, the, where the skeleton's in the closet or um, who do you have to speak to about that obscure app that everyone's forgotten about. You know, that navigating the organization is really, really important. So that's, my, um, that's one of my mantras. And I, you know, I've, I've got, I think the average tenure on my team is, is about five years and that's including quite a lot of new hires as we've grown over the years as well, which I'm, again, I'm, I'm very, very proud, proud of. So I, I guess I'll just talk about how I built, built the team and what my initial strategy was has changed a little bit from where we are now. So initially, I was very lucky, obviously, Sophos is a company full of security experts. So I, I built, a lot, I did a lot of internal hiring to start. And um, they weren't necessarily kind of all round security experts, but you know, they might be a few IT kind of sysadmins, I think often make really good security people if they're experienced, they know they've made all the mistakes and they've taken all the shortcuts that a security person has to kind of go and find and dig and fix. So that was my initial, um, you know, my, my, my starting point over the years, it's, it's changed a little bit, obviously. I mean, one thing it is important to get a fresh pair of eyes. And if you hire internally solely, you're going to get a very specific view of the world. And, and um, you know, that's just people are shaped by the corporation. So as, 
you know, maybe only the past four, five years, I've really been actively, you know, try, trying to run a, a hiring program externally and, and going out a lot. For me, especially because we're lucky at Sophos, we've got quite an attractive proposition here, I think. We've, we've got a relatively mature team. We've been you know, we've got interesting problems. It's a, you know, it's a, it's a security for a security company. And you probably have some similar experiences, David. It's, it's quite a nice sell because yeah. it's obvious, you know, it's, it's obvious to everyone that security is going to be taken seriously. So, the, so, so people do know that we're going to be maybe tackling some more interesting problems than, than a lot of places. So, um, so we, you know, we, it's, it's all the standard stuff. We get out to conferences quite a lot. We try and, engage with the community you know we're releasing free tooling things like that i'm, I'm really and there's other companies that's way better than, than we do but i i want people you know the whole world to know that the not just sophos is a is a great company but the security team in sophos has a bit of a mini brand and it's uh and it's a great place to work and it's do, we're doing interesting things because because ultimately especially when you're looking for the kind of the engineer the security engineer that's that's what attracts engineering talent they want to be working on top interesting problems yeah i think that that's a that's a good point you made about it folks i've done that a couple of times um and it's i think it's interesting when you're at a security company as we are you can bring in it folks who have been sort of the victims of a compliance um initiative at another company and they have now that experience of you know finding the shortcuts and figuring out how to get it done because the security team is mandating it. And then you put them into the position of heading up those things. Um, and they're, they're very, very effective. So I, I do, I do. And I've done that. Uh, I did that when I was at Okta as well as I, I brought in it folks to sort of run pieces of security operations and compliance. And it was very, very effective. And I do, I do agree with you since, um, we're building a security product. Engineering is naturally sort of being focused on a lot of the security um, uh, development lifecycle that that would not naturally exist in other places. So, it's it's. I think it's interesting. You guys do have a very very good brand, and you do attract a lot of people who want to be part of that brand. And um, you're also a target, right? Because um, people are always trying to figure out how do I get around the anti mail how do I get around the endpoint security, and so. Um, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a very interesting problem to solve. Um, another question. So I always, so I'm in a, I'm in a, a, a Slack channel with a bunch of CISOs here in the Valley. Um, and we're always having arguments about security of windows, security of, of a Mac security of a Chrome pixel. And how do we get CFOs onto Chrome pixels and how do we get them off of um, a win 10 box and you know we go back and forth and back and forth about surface areas and OS and privileges and so on and so forth how are you building your shop and, and what's your um, what's your feeling of the matter if you will so, so I guess uh, you know at heart I I really try and take quite a liberal view of this I, I don't want to push anyone down a, a specific route I do think with the right resources and that's that's a crucial part with the right resources you can you can have anyone working on any of the major platforms obviously you know chromebook out the box has got great security you know i use them at home i, I love them but windows nowadays you can you can do a good job that i think where the, where the where the challenge often lies in organizations is the skills of the it team so that's often the bottleneck it's i mean it's 
it's a bit of a way of dodging the problem as well. But, but if, if someone comes to me and says, I want to use this platform, I want to use that platform, it's never, it's, it's never a no. And you know, as a principal, I know most users like this nowadays, kind of, that, you know, the mentality has changed over the years. But I never, never say no. It usually has to be a conversation with the IT team about the controls that you want to apply and then and once you'll always get over the technical yes it's theoretically possible where you've what you've got to figure out is is the organization willing to get the right skills in to actually do it in a consistent programmatic manner or are you going to have you know just that one chromebook in the organization where people don't understand it so they turn off all the controls to get it working and you've, you've got yourself a problem same goes for mac same goes for windows it it doesn't it doesn't really matter but inherently yeah, i i i'm I try and be very agnostic about that. I do, I do get in certain situations. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, for, for, for certain traveling to risky co countries, things like that, if you can give someone, you know, a lockdown Chromebook, I mean, that's, that, that's great. But I don't want to be too, you know, don't want to disrupt people. I want people to be able to work how they want to work and not just say you've got to do it this way. I'm going to, I'm going to argue that's kind of a soft answer, but I, it, it, it's, I think it's it's the answer that most CSOs have to have to put up with because oftentimes we're not in charge of deploying assets. But I will say that you know if I go upstairs and I look at whether it's a uh, a, a Windows machine, whether it's a Mac machine, and I go and look at what application is running on that machine, it's going to be Chrome with a bunch of tabs, and like I know that I can I can use Google Apps and it will intake and output a windows formatted document now really 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 well and so you know there's there is uh there's a lot to be said by limiting the actual attack surface and the application attack surface for people and that's that's really where um how do i how do i tell a sales person or how do i tell a vp of sales that like, no you don't need you know office 365 you can do everything you know from a from a a Google app or, you know, how do I, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of headache dealing with just Google apps and a Chrome, right? You can, you can get yourself in a lot of trouble by not setting permissions up on your, in your, um, well, yeah, I, I think that's the thing. I mean, obviously, you know, per perfect world, everyone's got, everyone's got lockdown Chromebooks. Great. Sophos is a over 30 years old as a company. So, you know, we, we do have finance people who have linked Excel spreadsheets, and you you try and push someone to a Chromebook, and sure you you know you, you what what you find you end up doing as a, well, what, you know when when I've gone down this route, you end up spending so much time that you end up becoming an IT support function for the group, and then that starts to detract from other security initiatives. So you got to pick your which initiatives give you the ROI, and sometimes it's it, it it's, it's a difficult it's a difficult trade off. I, you know, I don't. I don't necessarily want to be the person who has to get finance off all their off off all their Excel spreadsheets when they're not ready to do it, so that we can push them onto Chromebooks. I, you know, there's a bunch of other things that you can do, and um, and if you know, it's it's not perfect, but if you spent yeah. that time, the quick big question is, if you spent all that time that you saved by not being an office support guy, and then get your get get the right people on your team to spend it on Windows 10 security, which is you know, it's got with the hardware backed credential, you know, credential guard and, and all the other new stuff that a lot of organizations just simply don't turn on because it's a lot of effort, but you might get more bang for buck out of that initiative. Of course, there's never, 
yeah, there's, there's never a single right answer. It depends upon a lot of organizational dynamics, how much legacy they've got, what the skill sets are, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess that's kind of why we have a job, David. It's, you know, we, yeah. we have to make those tough calls. <laughs> you, know the, you know, you're absolutely right. There's a lot to be said for just giving the compute platform to the user to make it easy for them. Because if you make it easy for them to use the compute platform and they will, they will basically make better choices on what they do because it's easy. You just put some guardrails on applications and so on and so forth. And if you make it easy for two-factor authentication, you make it easier on like the apps that they can get access to to get their job done or whatever platform they have, um, they will make better decisions as a user on you know their endpoint security. So I, I agree with that for sure. I was just gonna, I, I wanted to sort of throw that in there to, to see where you, you, you fell in that sort of camp, if you will. But, well, one thing that's making, making this easier in my opinion is, is the shift towards like zero trust architectures because if you haven't for for, for years the, the the you know the blast radius of having a compromised windows endpoint was huge so it wasn't just that the platform was tough to secure but it was if there was if you had a single client breach then turning that into domain admin was you know some very simple lateral movement using kind of very common common tools now we've done a fair bit of work in an industry to kind of get better better at that but the the final jump actually that endpoint not sitting on any internal network means that whilst an endpoint compromise compromise is never great it's much more tolerable if it's not on an internal network where it's got that huge internal attack surface and we've been putting a lot of effort into into that initiative to the point where you know we've got in, we've got entire offices where there is no corporate lan the internet is just like an internet cafe bit faster but exactly well, that, the same that's actually a, a good point because um you know uh sort of at the core of your zero trust is making sure that it's the identity um that is core to all your authentication and, and authorizations and um and when i was at octa the sort of the biggest thing that was a hindrance if you will or, or a blocker to really truly having our customers adopt a beyond corp type of model was you still had this username and password and okay i had to build out uh support for you know a YubiKey so i can now tokenize all of my authentication which is great and but you know now i have to have a yubi token for my cell phone and so on and so forth and then there's every time you want to get access to something you, you tokenize it with it. it it gets it gets to be a little bit tricky um how close do you think um so if you go if you move back there and you and you're thinking about okay i authenticate in a single sign-on or i identify myself um you know how far away are we right now with identity as a service to truly having a user uh, a, a getting rid of passwords altogether so no username no password i have effectively you know, a biometric or two-factor token or something along with a, you know, a effectively it's going to be a, um, um, you know, public key or a private key. So I have a yeah. public key and private key. Like that. So that's like what Hyper is working on. How how far away are we from just getting that rolled out everywhere? It's always dangerous to make predictions on a podcast that's probably going to be on the internet for many years, but. Um, I, I, I'm actually an optimist in this space. I think the work, you know, the FIDO Alliance have done, you know, things like web, web off end. I mean, UB, you know, UB, uh, UB keys are great, but 
I think we're, we are closer than we've ever been. And, and not just that, but we're moving quicker towards it than we've ever been just because it, you've got everyone and you know, even Apple now uh, are jumping on board with these standards. And that's always been one of the biggest challenges. And then of course, open IDs, so you know, OAuth, that they're maturing so much that they can handle a far more sophisticated identity management than, you know, than even a few years ago. So I wouldn't want to, I would never want to predict an entire organization because especially, you know, company like Sophos full of engineers, there's a lot of kind of non-web-based services that they still use, things like that. But we are, we're relatively optimistic, you know, maybe you ask me again <laughs> in a year, but we're relat- rel- relatively optimistic that for our Windows, for our Windows clients uh, specifically, we're going to be able to go password list for the simpler use cases. So you know, maybe, maybe like sales and marketing where it's pure web-based, um, web-based apps. Within a year, dare I say, like, like I say, check back in a year. That's possibly a bit optimistic, but we have a route, we have a route to doing it. Now, if you're now talk, if you're going beyond the corporate services that we're, you know, we've federated into a single identity, um, IDP, all that kind of stuff. That's a, in the consumer world. That's a long, long way away. Though it's it's still going to be too hard. And you've always got the what happens when you lose the the thing. You know the the the, the whether it's the, the device because I think biometrics are great at authenticating you to a device, but they can't authenticate you to a service on the internet. Right? It's all about the, it. Relies a lot on device trust, and and that's how you handle at a. It's easy at an enterprise. Uh, enterprise scale because you've you've essentially you've got a service desk if it all goes completely wrong someone can walk up to a service desk someone will recognize them and they can re-establish trust move into the consumer space and that doesn't scale so you've got a a much bigger challenge yeah i i i agree it's i think that with and the challenges with the enterprises, there's always going to be those couple of apps like a high spot or something like this is not a token authentication. And so you have to have some sort of backend username and password for it. And, you know, I'm looking at my Okta dashboard right now and there's, there's a bunch of things that I need to use for, you know, the business that are still just not SAML or, or not OAuth. But that's, that's changing faster. So, so we've had, yes. I'm sure you, you, you've had the same, but we've had, you've got to support um, SAML, or, uh, SAML OpenID or, uh, in, our, in our procurement requirements for ages and the exceptions are few and far between. I mean, I heard this one the other day, actually. Even SAP supports SAML now. So if you can do it with, with SAP, then that, to me, that, you know, that, that's got to be the, 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 the kind of slowest uh, enterprise software organization to adopt new technology of any of them. So to me, that was like, it's definitely, definitely becoming a standard when I heard that. Yeah. It, in, so how do we, so there's, there is the idea there. If I have an identity provider, like a, you know, your one log and your octa or so on and so forth, and I can go from business to business with that identity in the enterprise. I mean, that's a, that's a, that's really the, the golden ticket for an enterprise where, um, you know, my identity stays with the identity provider and then I can go to job to job and they just plug in that identity with whatever, whatever provider I'm with at that point. And that helps at the enterprise level. Um, but that same notion of how do I have an identity provider for all of my consumers? 
because um, once you have the identity provider and you can plug into all of those applications with the token, with the OAuth, with the SAML, and so on and so forth, um, it gets that's that's sort of you know the true protection of the consumer, right? And you know that's that's just you know where where you have the um, you know the things that are on your iPhone and, and your in the so on and so forth are, are just sort of standards that dictate how you're doing a second factor, or dictate how you're doing an OAuth connection. They're not necessarily providing that uh, identity as a service part of it. So it's I think we're you're right. I think we're a year or two years away from having it really nailed at the enterprise level. Um, I think we're a long way off still from the consumer. Yeah, level. yeah I, don't, I don't see any. I don't. I don't. I don't see all of the technologies getting better to support it. I think it's actually going to be. I mean, privacy concerns, for instance. I think this is a, is a classic example of where privacy and security start bumping up against each other. You, you know, if like people are reluctant to use whether it's a right, right or not, I'm not even going to have, have a stance on that, but they're reluctant to use Facebook for, to log on to all the, all the websites, even though Facebook is you know, well-placed to become a consumer identity provider. Uh, and that's because of the privacy concerns. Whether it's well-founded or not doesn't really matter. It's sentiment that's going to that's drive adoption of these kind of services. It's, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not very optimistic for, for the consumer space, sadly. Mm-hmm. All right, Ross. I think uh, we have uh, we've run out of time a little here, but um, again, thank you for telling us how you do it. Um, and that's I think it's going to be captivating for a bunch of people because, like I said, Sophos is is a target, they're well known, um, and how you've stayed there for so long and built a team that's has such longevity is is pretty key and pretty important. I think um, this will be pretty valuable for people to continue to listen to. And I thank you for your time. Yeah, no problem at all, David. It's always, always great to catch up. Um, and you know, on the recruiting on, on the recruit, recruiting one, if um, if anyone wants to drop at Sophos, come come and speak to me because we're always looking for people. <laughs> you guys are like uh, in San Francisco. You're in uh, UK. You guys are all over the world. So all over and very supportive of remote working as well for the right people. Yeah, you got to do remote work these days. You just like I I hire more people remotely than anywhere else. So absolutely. All right, sir. Thank you very much for your time. And uh, this is David Baker. Anytime. Signing out.